You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. Hey, Socks in the Basement, guys. I got uh, taken a lot of flack from my college friends up in Minnesota. And they're bent out of shape about Jermaine Mercedes hitting a 3-0, 47-mile-an-hour fist pitch. And I'm trying to explain to him, or to them, that you swing the bat in order to end the game and just end the agony. Don't prolong the agony by taking a walk. And when you look at it, what would you rather have? A bullet to the back of the head or get five fingers, in this case, four fingers chopped off one by one? Anyway. Hey, just a really quick question. I'm just going to throw this off you guys. Any possibility of a socks in a basement charter bus up to Minneapolis for the next time that the White Sox kick the Twins' ass, which would be July 5, 6, and 7? Just wondering. And if that is the case, we'd definitely be interested. I love it that people call up on the call-in line and start to plan events for us, Ed. <laughs> yeah, I, and I like that, too. That's, I love uh, that. That's a handy way to use that uh, that, that yeah. little uh, feature on, on SocksInTheBasement.com. Just call and, and plan some events for us. Right. You can go to SocksInTheBasement.com, and there's a little blue microphone. At whatever browser you're using, if you're on your smartphone, you just click on it. You can leave a message. And, and still, the phone number is still available as well. So you can actually call in. There's two different ways you can actually call in. I haven't taken down the actual phone number. So, so some people have it saved in their phones for when they've drank too much and they want to yell about something that the White Sox are doing. You can always call 708-459-8406 and leave a voicemail there as well. But I love that. Like, I want to go to Minnesota. Can you guys set up a bus, maybe some hotel rooms, get a keg in the back of that thing and, like, buy some tickets, put together a package, and if you do that, I'm down. And you know what? I'd be totally down to do that. But I remember the right before the pandemic when we did the brewery tour. Remember that? And oh yeah, yeah. And, and yeah, all yeah. that was was the Dixie Highway Brewery Trail and doing the south side of Chicago on a bus for a couple of hours. And that was a disaster. Not because people didn't have fun. People had too much fun. And I just can't imagine the liability and the amount of waivers oh. I would have to have put together to bring. Southsiders to Minneapolis, listeners of Socks in the Basement, after I saw the way that they partied with us during the beer tour. We might do a brewery tour, though, very, very shortly. I have to work out a new place to do it. That's something we're going to do. We might bring along our sponsors, Family Waterproofing Solutions. You heard the ad at the beginning of the show. Listen, you need any things taken care of in the basement? Got any issues? A little bit of seepage, some water coming in, something wrong with your window wells, some pump, not very reliable. You just want things checked out. Let's say you bought a new place. And you want to know what's wrong before you finish that basement? Family Waterproofing Solutions. Phone number on the logo for Socks in the Basement or go to FAMWS.com. At the beginning of that call, though, that's the thing I want to start off with. Oh, the unwritten rules. Nobody should be throwing at your mean Mercedes. And the idea with these unwritten rules that Tony was going to keep him out of the lineup after he hit that bomb the other night, no, no, that that isn't going to happen. And he didn't keep him on the lineup. He batted him clean. No, he didn't. He didn't. He's 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 batting clean up today. After he hit the slowest pitched ball in the history of recorded home runs, when they started recording the pitch speed off of home runs and the exit velocity back in 2008, I think it was when Statcast started doing that. That looked like with those two guys with Astudio pitching to Mercedes, 
didn't it look like it was like a 16 inch softball game at the good park you know when you get that you get that one park that you can play at that's like kind of a real stadium that's what I saw off of that. I, I just saw a ball go up and then I saw one fat guy throw a ball to another fat guy and it go, you know, a thousand feet away. And I'm like, that, that's that's all I thought of is I'm like, they're going to have beers afterwards, right? Because that's that's pretty much what you do. It was my Wednesday night church league, 16 inch yeah, softball that'll be right? starting up soon here on the south side. Like that's that's what that was. And why not hit that ball? Like, let's just put this to rest right now. If he broke an unwritten rule, he wouldn't have been in the lineup. If Tony was that mad at him, he would have sat him down. Remember, he sat him down already once this year without admitting that he did it. It was obvious to a lot of people that were watching. He was like 10 minutes late getting in the ballpark. It's like, (laughs) you're not playing today. I don't care how hot you are. I'm the manager of this team. And I'm fine with that. I'm totally fine with you telling a guy that just made it to the major leagues. This is how I do things. Sit on the bench. I don't care how hot you are. I'm totally fine with the manager doing it. He played him. After the after the supposed unwritten rule was broken, and in case somehow you missed the first game of this twin series and you haven't heard about this story yet, big blowout game, and the twins send in a catcher to pitch. And here's Yerman, and on a 3-0 pitch, he buries a 40-some mile an hour pitch right across the middle of the plate over the center field wall for a solo home run. Now, supposedly the unwritten rule is you're supposed to take on 3-0. If you would have hit that home run on three and one, supposedly that's okay. That's just stupid. Anybody who believes that to not be stupid, slap yourself in the face right now. Tony La Russa plays him in the game, but then comes out and talks about respect for the other team, and I don't like that, and I gave him the, the take sign. Well, if he did all that stuff, Tony's wrong. He's 100% wrong. And if Adam Eaton is sitting around giving lectures, and we don't know if he did or not, but cameras caught him talking to Mercedes, on the bench, if he's giving lectures about unwritten rules, he should shut up and play better. But there's also the possibility that LaRusso's taking the heat once again as a lightning rod for this team to protect his player from those that actually believe in these stupid rules. Tony might believe in the stupid rules. Part of me, though, because I'm having such a good time with this team right now, wants to believe that there's a possibility that because he played him and then talked about respect for the game and you don't swing at a 3-0 pitch and that'll never happen again and blah, 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 blah. He's trying to say, I took care of this problem. Like, you know, when your kid fights the other kid and you know that that other kid had it coming and you slapped high fives with your kid, like it's about time you stood up to Billy. But then you sit there and say, I'll talk to my kid about it. I'll make sure that it never happens again, Mrs. Billy. But maybe Tony isn't as upset as he's portraying it in the media. I hope so. Because otherwise... He's an idiot. Adam Eaton's an idiot if he's giving him a hard time. This is stupid. How is it not disrespectful to send a catcher out to pitch against your team? And why are you expected to let that guy strike you out? That's dumb. It's stupid. Nobody can explain it to me. My hope is this is Tony once again taking the heat. Here's 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 the three things that I can figure that they're, that they're talking about. If anybody's talking to your mean Mercedes, they're talking about the fact that the Twins are probably going to say something about a stupid unwritten rule because it was a 3-0 count. Whiny babies in last place that I don't care about their opinions, and I hate them, and I hate them, and I don't care about their opinions. I hate the Twins. Well, that's what I'm, I, but I think that's actually what's being said, is, is, is I could picture Adam Eaton sitting there going, look, they're going to whine about some unwritten rule, which means you're probably eating a fastball to the ribs tomorrow, just so you know. You know, and Tony's probably standing out there going, yelling across to Baldelli, you know what? Just don't throw at the guy tomorrow. Just maybe, maybe Tony, see, when I was looking at it and people were tweeting the video of Tony standing out there and shrugging, he doesn't look like he's looking at Mercedes. 
he looks like he's looking at the twins bench. Yeah. And he's kind of shrugging and he might have been saying next time, don't send a catcher out there against a rookie that's killing the ball. You know, what, what do you expect? Tony hides everything. I kind of dig it. I'm, I'm really kind of digging the fact that like we mentioned on the last show, he's becoming a lightning rod to take any pressure off of his players that he can. Do you see the post game press conference with Tony La Russa after game one of this series here in Minnesota? If you, I took the phone because somebody had commented underneath it, like they are partying in that locker room. I took the phone. It was so loud. I, I couldn't hear him. I put it up to my ear and I was just listening to the bass and the partying and the screaming that's going yeah. on. Yeah. He's a 76, 77 year old man surrounded by 20 and 30 year old guys on the road who are kicking the twins asses who are just beating on a divisional opponent who just embarrassed the hell out of them. And they are partying. And then he has to sit there with like a straight face on a zoom call and take questions about unwritten rules. He's got to take questions. You know what Tony is? Tony's my grandfather at a party. You know, he's that older guy at the wedding and you're sitting around and everybody's getting bombed. and like, let's do shots. And you might talk him into one. Right. And then he goes, all right, young whippersnappers. Enjoy the rest of your night. You're like, all right, Gramps. And he just gets out of the way. And that's all Tony's doing right now. He's like a father yeah. figure. He's, in fact, no, Abreu's a father figure. He's the grandpa figure. But that's what he yes, is. Tony's the grandpa figure. <laughs> and he, you know, he's got a, a raucous group of talented young ball players coming out of a rebuild. Some of these guys have been waiting to party like this forever. Some of them just don't know any better like Mercedes, right? Like he's like, I'm in the bigs. I'm hitting homers. They named the cheeseburger after me or whatever they did. And, you know, we're partying in the, in, in the clubhouse afterwards. But what Tony's doing is he's just basically like, uh, I'm going to look at my big book of standard answers that you give to the press that I've amassed over the last 40 some years. I'm going to give those out while there's bass music playing in the background. And then I'm going to go in and say, good game, guys. And they're all going to go, thanks, Tony. You want to come out with us? And he's going to go, no, I'm going to go catch a nap. And they all waved to him and he sees them the next day. And that's fine. I'm great with that for my manager right now because this team is winning. I mean, they are they are winning and they're winning the games that matter. And yes, they're never going to win every game. But man, they are winning a lot more than they, they are losing right now. And I don't see how any team beats them in this division. Socks in the basement listeners do the hard work. And if you're a hardworking man or woman on the South Side, you need to be outfitted properly. And that's why you should visit Red Wing Shoes in Evergreen Park, New Lenox, and Geneva. A work boot specialty store that carries sizes from 6 to 16 and feet as wide as 4E. A 115-year-old company that came out of Red Wing, Minnesota. And one of its largest stores in the entire Midwest is in Evergreen Park, Illinois, ever since 1976. When you're on your feet, the footwear is everything. So why not get an expert fitting? They warranty, repair, and offer free conditioning with laces. And they also carry Carhartt work clothing as well. Located at 3347 West 95th Street in Evergreen Park, Illinois, at 208 East Maple Street on Route 30 in New Lenox, or at 1749 South Randall Road in Geneva. Visit them today. You work hard. You've earned it. Red Wing Shoes. And when I had my uncle send me a text last night, he's the same age as Tony LaRusso, right? And he texted me last night and he goes, they look really good, but I don't know. You think they can hang on the whole year? And I was like, what team's better than them in the division? And I told him, I'm like, who's better? 
Who who's going to catch them currently constructed? They could play 500 the rest of the way, and they're going to have well over 90 wins. And nobody else in this division is capable of that right now, the way they're constructed. No, not not right now. To me, it's get to Robert, get to Jimenez coming back. Angle will eventually work his way back in there. You, you might end up making a trade at the deadline as well. And then you walk in even stronger to the postseason. And then you start playing the big boys. Like with this, with this Yankee series coming up, if they lost two out of three, I just shrug. Be like, ah, it wasn't their thing. They were on the road. Move on. That's how it would feel. You go 500 against all these other teams. If you play the way you're playing against your divisional opponents, you're going to win 100 games. If you went 500 against all the non-divisional opponents. So I'm not, I'm not worried about the non-divisional opponents. They don't affect us. We're going to get into the postseason because the teams we're in, uh, up against, even with these injuries, we're better. And and you hit it on the head as far as the division. And, and I, I took a look at it in the blog a little bit deeper. And what you have is you really have just Cleveland at this point having even a chance of hanging around. And I'm not saying that Cleveland is going to catch the Sox or Cleveland is better than the Sox because I think Cleveland's got some pretty big problems. Uh, it's not the first time we've talked about it either. They've got the back end of the rotation needs help. They cannot hit. They've got three guys that you would count as having even – uh, you know, an average season right now, but the, uh, the Royals, the Royals just started out hot. And I think that they are just like the Tigers, but they, they had a good open to the season. That's all it is. They're, they're young teams that are going to be up and down. I think the Royals will get on another heater, but I think they're also going to have more losing streaks. I think the Tigers are going to get on a little bit of a streak going upwards, and then they're going to fall right back down. And I think the Twins, at this point, if you look at the way the Twins' season has gone, you look at what they are, how things are going for them, and where they are, and it's going to take an awful lot for them to come back. And it doesn't mean that they can't do it necessarily, because there is you know, history that shows that a team can be way down at, at this point in the season and still come back. Um, you know, at, at, in 2005, the Sox were ahead of everybody, they were five and a half ahead of the Twins. They were ahead of the Indians. Uh, they were 11 ahead of Cleveland by the All-Star game. And then, remember, they finished just, you know, Cleveland gave them a scare in September that year and got it down to a one-and-a-half game leave before, you know, before it, it ended up at six games. Joe Creedy pushed them through in that series. Remember that? Hit that big home yeah, run. Yeah, yeah. The Indians were about to take the lead in that division. It, it was Joe Creedy's injury that caused him to, to kind of lose the lead in September, too, because, remember, he went out on a bunt attempt broke his finger. So you're going to have some play within the division. And I think some teams are going to get hot. The twins will, at some point they'll make up a little bit of ground, but it's not going to matter. You're right. I think when you're looking at say the series coming up against the Yankees or when they get around to playing, say the A's or the Astros or the Rays or the Red Sox, when they're playing those teams, all the teams that are above 500 right now, you're going to see a little bit of, how the Sox stack up against them, but the results of the games in the regular season don't necessarily matter. But you're going to be able to tell. I think you'll be able to tell looking at it at least, here's where the Sox have strengths versus their weaknesses, and here's where the Sox weaknesses play against those teams' strengths. And, you know, in a regular season game in May against the Yankees on the road, no, it's, stuff is going to happen. You know, someone's going to hit a random home run, Nick Madrigal is going to take somebody deep again because he's going to sell out for power from now on. <laughs> that was amazing. That was a, I mean, seriously, it's so funny. And I wasn't, I wasn't watching. I had to throw the TV on because I have, I have him on my fantasy baseball team. 
he's my backup second baseman. And, and, and I thought Keto Marte was coming back because he's still eligible as a second baseman. And he's supposed to come back. And they were like, no, he's going to be on a rehab assignment first. So I changed Madrigal back into the starting lineup like a couple hours before the game started. And I checked my score early on on my phone. And I had a bunch of points. And he was the only guy that was playing early on in the night because of the game start and everything. There weren't a yeah. lot of guys going on my team. A lot of guys were off on Monday night. And I'm like, wow, who's scoring all these points? And I clicked on it and it had like his line midway through the game with the home run in it. And I was like, well, the game's broken, obviously. Clearly, CBS Sports fantasy is broken because he can't hit home runs. And I had to go look the thing up. And I was like, whoa, whoa hold on a second. He did what? To my fellow oh, Sox fans that I text with during pretty much every game, uh, one of them will text boom every time there's a home run. And so I, I get this and, and I, boom. So I'm like, ah, all right. And I'm not paying attention. I'm like, who hit it? And I look, I go and I look and I'm like, wait, Madrigal and Mendick <laughs> at that point. Cause Mendick had hit the, hit the granny. So I'm like, really? The best thing was that he said, I'm, I'm just glad to get the first one out of the way. Like he believes there's going to be a lot more of them. <laughs> <laughs> it was like the best quote. I was like, oh, isn't that cute? Like you think that the like the floodgates are gonna open up, Nikki? That's that's awesome. Ed, you've been to Cork and Carry at the park, 33rd in Princeton, but yes, have you I ever have. been you ever been to the location that's on Western Avenue? I want to say that I brought you there before. Have you been there before? I have been there before, yeah. That's the original Cork and Carry in Beverly. It, it's a place to go to. It, it, it is the most one of the most. It's hard It's hard to say the most, but in, in my mind, it's the most historic bar on the south side of Chicago. And I say that because I walk in there and I instantly feel like what it was like when my father walked into a bar in the in the 70s, you know, like not because it's old, but because it's traditional. Like it's that big oak bar, like that Irish pub. It's really like there's wood everywhere, right? You walk in, you're like, this is a this is a traditional Irish pub. Wood that remembers things. Yeah, it's got yeah, it's got memorabilia around it, and it's, it, they got a great beer selection and the liquor selection. And when you go in there, you're like, this is a pub. But then it also has some amazing amenities that are great for the summer, and I can't wait to hang out there this summer. Their outdoor patio is incredible. Uh, and th- this this patio that they have out there, this isn't like it's just an enclosed patio where you just stand around outside. No, you walk out there, you got the twinkling lights over your head, you got the full bar that's sitting outside with the flat screen TVs all over the place. So outside on a beautiful night, you can watch a baseball game, right? And you, you can sit there and you can get service right there. You don't have to work your way back into the bar. And the seating is this permanent seating with like cushioned seats. Like you're basically lounging, you know? I, I compare it to like if you went to a rich person's house and they're like, oh, let's go out on the patio, and you walk out there and you go, your patio is nicer than my living room. Like, that's right. that's what exactly. I feel like when I go there. <laughs> it's, a, it's this gorgeous, gorgeous place to go and hang out outside when there's beautiful weather out. And then also, of course, the indoor space is great. They've got rooms you can rent out for parties for small and large sizes. And then don't forget, they have this comedy showcase. Thursday, June 3rd, 7.30 p.m. It starts in the Cork and Cary Beer Garden at 10614 Southwestern. This is put on by All That Good Stuff. From what I understand, they do great comedy shows. All That Good Stuff comedy show, $10 admission, cap capacity, get details and tickets through Eventbrite. And be sure to check out Cork and Carrie Beverly at corkandcarrybeverly.com. All right. I have another big announcement. I need some announcement music. Hit the announcement music. 
we have paired up with Marathon Sportswear and starting right now. Right this moment. Right at this moment. You will be able to now purchase in a pop-up store exclusive Socks in the Basement gear. We've got the Socks in the Basement hoodie, t-shirt, long sleeve tee, and a brand new design on the Socks in the Basement hat. Check these things out. They're absolutely sweet. I, I've been doing all the, the merch on my own. You know, I've been kind of ordering things and then getting boxes of them and then like selling them individually and everything else like that. Marathon on a Blue Island. They were like, we can do this with you. We want to do a pop-up store. So this is a limited time thing. So I want you to go to SocksInTheBasement.com while you can. Take the link to the Socks in the Basement pop-up store and get in there and get your gear while you can. This is available from now until the 30th of May. Get it through Marathon Sports. They're handling everything, right? So they're they're putting it all together. They're shipping it out. They're guaranteeing it gets there. I don't have to do anything, Ed. That's the best thing about this. Like, I don't have to do anything. Like I said, here's our logo. What can you make that's cool? And then they had a team of people put these things together. And then they're going to do the whole thing for me. And I was like, well, how do I pass that up? <laughs> you can't pass it up. I, all you're doing is sitting back and just being the coolest guy right. in the room now because you've I, got all that gear. How do I pass that up? So, you know, impress your friends with your Socks in the Basement gear. Get it at SocksInTheBasement.com from now through the 30th of May. Hey, guys. Uh, Dean from Wild. Um, just thought the White Sox could go maybe a little old school. Uh, Dick Allen. And wear helmets in the field when they go uh, after watching a preview on a pop-up. That was pretty disastrous. But guys like Mancata, he's kind of running around like a Cuban missile. It would be good to maybe have a helmet on him. And actually watching the Angels game early in the year when Luis Robert took that one off the noggin, they could have had a 8-9 put out with that thing bouncing over to Adam Eaton. Uh, and then I'm thinking with Aloy, you know, maybe put a helmet on him, but... I'm thinking probably bubble wrap would be a better idea. Have a good day. And this is an honest question. This is not sure. This is not meant to be mean or hurtful in any way. He's one of my favorite ball players right now in baseball. All right. But is the issue with Yoan Mancata running into Tim Anderson multiple times this year during pop-ups in the infield and then running through a sign the other day? Remember, the Abreu play at the plate the other day against the Royals. Mancata's thrown out the play before that, running through a sign at third base where they right. just, Stone had just remarked on the TV broadcast how shallow the outfielders were to prevent him from coming home. Now, the third base coach has his hands up because he's aware of it. Steve Stone's aware of it. I'm aware of it at home. And he runs through and is out by 40 feet, trying to go from second to home on a little, like, short like little bloop in the right field. Unfortunately, Whit Merrifield was also keenly aware of that. So yeah. And guess what? It, like, I, I want to say that it was stone or Benetti. One of them said you got a second baseman out there in right field. That wasn't a slight on Merrifield. And that meant that he was going to put out, he was going to throw a bullet. Is Yoan Mankata suffering from a hearing problem, a language problem, or an ego problem in your mind? Because at this point, he's not listening to his third base coach. And he's not respecting the fact that Anderson is the captain of that infield. When the shortstop's calling him off, he's got to get out of the way, much like a center fielder has the right to the ball out in center field. What is it, do you think? Do you think it's a hearing problem, a language problem, or an ego problem? Now, as a musician, because he is in a studio and, and perhaps exposed to loud music, it would be tempting to say he's got a hearing problem. 
It's possible. It's possible. It could be a hearing problem. It's possible. However, um, when you watch him run through a stop sign at third base, and it's not necessarily that your third base coach is yelling, stop. He is throwing his hands up in the air, too. You can see him do that. Uh, I think it's a little bit maybe of an ego problem and a little bit of of Moncada thinking that, you know, really he is he is a he is an excellent third baseman and I think he's in love with his defense which is great um but you're right he does not he does not yield to the captain of the infield which historically has been the shortstop and when he's running through that stop sign he's he's really it's it's his ego saying that he is faster than Whitmerfield's arm because I, I have to believe he knew that that was in right center field you know and, and shallow um but he's sitting there going I'm I'm faster I'm faster than the ball because that's the only way you run through that is is if you're going and you're going, no, I got this. I don't care what my third base coach says. I've got this or I've got this ball. I don't care if Tim's calling for it because it's mine. That's 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 your head getting in the way. Or he believes that he's smarter than McEwing, right? He's like, oh, I'm I'm better than that. Well, that's his ego. That's ego. Or it's like he's completely unaware of his surroundings. But that would be an incompetence problem. So either he's incompetent or he's got an ego. Both of those are issues. I think you're right, though, on the ego thing. I really do. I think that, I mean, look, any guy that has a music video where he's dancing with, like, 20 girls in bikinis and with sports yeah. cars around him and comes up to his own music that he recorded, it's got to have a little ego. And I don't mind a little ego on my ball player. Like, I'm good with it. You know what? Guess what? Bo Jackson had ego. Frank Thomas had ego. Listen to him on the postgame and the pregame when he's on. That man's dripping with ego, right? Yes, I got no is. problem. Ken Griffey Jr., if you want to go non-White Sox, walked around with a backwards hat on because he knew it pissed people off, okay? Ego's fine with me. A lot of the greats have it, but there's got to be a point where he's not hurting his team with his ego. And the worst possible thing that could happen, besides like the outcome of a game, is the fact that he could injure himself or Tim Anderson, two extremely valuable players on this team, by not listening. And the smartest thing that could have happened after the Abreu incident, which was not because it, it really wasn't because n- nobody was listening. That was like a freak thing going up the first baseline, right? Dozier's avoiding Grandal and he slams into Abreu and it was just such an ugly hit. And we're lucky it wasn't worse than what it was. And it, it made my heart leap out of my chest when I saw it. I was like, oh no. Well, it made, it made Hunter Dozier's head, brain literally waggled around in his head because he hit... <laughs> He got the worst of it there. Right. Those two guys just rocked each other, okay? Those two monsters just banging into each other without knowing each other is there at full speed, all right? So that that's crazy. Somebody, after he looked at Abreu on the ground, should have grabbed him and said, and if you don't start listening on pop-ups, that's going to be you and your buddy there at shortstop. Because th- I, that's what has me most afraid with him. You see, I thought it was just a pop-up issue, and then I saw him run through the sign, and I said, no, 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 we've got a bigger issue here. It's not just that he doesn't know how to handle pop-ups with people around the infield. When he ran through the sign, I was like, we might have a bigger issue here with him. And he's a good ball player, and like I said, he's one of my favorite baseball players in the game right now. I've got a Yoan Moncada jersey. I don't have very many guys that are on the current team on a jersey right now. But but that that made me concerned when I saw that. It's Moncada and Jake Lamb for you, right? You're um, an ass. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but it, you know what? It, Moncada's, Moncada's inability to listen to his coaches and, and him running through that stop sign did cause an injury, right? 
if Abreu is not trying to score on that pass ball on that wild pitch, I don't I don't know what it was scored exactly. He doesn't hurt his ankle, and you know he's playing against the Twins for three games. He's out for three games because of that, at least. Yeah, and 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 I'm worried. I I'm worried about Abreu having you know a bulky ankle for a while. Not that he's his game is based on speed or that you can't play first base being a little limited with your ability to move, but it could impact. I mean, it could impact him hitting very easily. You need a good solid base for that. So you know his if Moncada stops there and doesn't run through that stop sign and he's on third and that pass ball happens and he goes home and scores, that's great. Otherwise, there's one out. And even if they don't come home, there's still just one out, and it changes the complexion of that inning. But your MVP, reigning MVP, is not sitting there spraining his ankle trying to slide past through and somehow phase around Cam Gallagher. I'm really still not sure how he did that. That was yeah, that was, that that was, was an amazing. That slide. was pretty. It was pretty crazy, and I'm not sure whether or not replay was just inconclusive or if it was actually safe. But I'll take it. Okay. I mean, we jumped uh, around. Yeah. We jumped around the Lanuti living room. Me and the kids when they finally declared him safe at that moment. But look, I want to make it really clear, though. I would much rather have a guy that's got too much ego that you can try to tamper down than a guy that doesn't have confidence in baseball, right? Confidence is key right. in baseball. You don't have confidence, you, you you don't perform. Baseball is littered with guys that can't get it going because they don't have any confidence. So let him let him have an ego. I'm fine. So wait, wait. Does that mean, do we need Andrew Vaughn to record his own music, his own walk-up music with a bunch of bikini-clad women? What's a, first of all, let let him have his ego. Just make sure that he kind of you know tamp, tapers it down a little bit so he doesn't get anybody injured. I'm sure it's something they have to work on. What would what would Andrew Vaughn's style of music be? Like he looks to me like straight up country, right? He does. He, he looks like he would have to be straight up country. He's right? line dancing country, ten gallon hat, flannel shirt, boot kicking in the air with maybe spurs on the back of him, right? The musical equivalent of mayonnaise somehow. <laughs> <laughs> or he just likes a lot of Metallica. It's like one or the right, other. Or, yeah, exactly. Or he is just an absolute metalhead. He's like a guar head. Like he's a guar. Right. <laughs> Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found. And always on SocksInTheBasement.com.